Hi, and welcome to Where's Her Oscar, the podcast where we dive into the filmographies of actresses that haven't won an Academy Award and see how close they came to winning one. I'm your host, V, and I'm here with my co-host, Millie. Hi. And today, we are without guest, which is has become more of the, <laughs> less of the status quo. I can't think of the opposite of status quo off the top of my head, but you know, yeah. it's just me and Millie for this one. And we're talking about Junebug. Um... Finally. <laughs> yeah, finally. You would think that we would rationally start with her first Oscar nomination. I know. You know, our completely arbitrary, somewhat arbitrary. I have some idea of how I'm planning out these movies, but for the most part, I'm just throwing things at the wall. Um, <laughs> but we can sort of get into where it all started, right? This is like her breakout role. Yeah. We'll get into it. So Junebug is mm-hmm. the 2005 movie directed by... Phil Morrison, written by Angus McLaughlin, starring Emmett Davids, Amy Adams, Ben McKenzie, Celia Weston, Alessandra Nivola, and Scott Wilson. Um, it was distributed by Sony Pictures Classics. It's 106 minutes, and it made $3.4 million, and its budget was $1 million. So, you know, very much an indie movie, um, despite being a Sony Pictures Classics release. Uh, Millie, do you want to give us a quick plot summary? Yeah, sure. So, Embeth Davids uh, plays Madeline, and Alessandro Nivola plays George, and they are newlyweds. Um, uh, Madeline is an art dealer, so she's discovered a new artist uh, who lives and works down in uh, North Carolina, so they decide to go and meet him and kind of familiarise themselves with him and his work. And while they're down there, they decide to go and visit George's family um, because they've never met Madeline. Madeline's never met them. And um, so you see this kind of um, the kind of uh, relationship between his family and his kind of old life, and then his his new life um, as he's living in the city and he's kind of broken away from his family. So it's a really interesting um, kind of relationships between. Uh, his roots, and um, his more affluent lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so, had you seen this movie before? Yeah, I've seen it a few times, actually. Um, yeah, I think I first saw it when I was around, like, 15 or 16, and um, I didn't really... I didn't really get it. Like, I thought it was, like, boring, because I just was, like, emotionally immature, and I didn't really <laughs> understand, kind of... The relationships and like just the kind of subtlety of the film but as i've gone older i i appreciate it much more and i i really like it um now it's not one of those films that you would watch like often but i enjoy re-watching it um yeah what about you well now i'm gonna sound like an ass but <laughs> i also watched <laughs> it when i was 16. um fun story about this movie that's actually sort of really humiliating for me but i think <laughs> I think it would be sort of cathartic to put it into our group of listeners. Um, I watched this, so this was on Netflix for a while, or at least on American Netflix, and mm-hmm. I was on a on the way to a speech and debate tournament, and I had this downloaded onto my phone, and I was watching the movie, mm-hmm. and this was like, you know, I was still very much in the Nicole Kidman phase, and I still am. It's not, hasn't stopped since then. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Um, yeah. So I was watching this movie, and my, my like, uh, my speech and debate coach, who was also my macroeconomics teacher, was like, oh, you know, like, uh, are you watching another Nicole Kidman movie? And I was like, oh, no, it's actually Junebug with Amy Adams. And she goes, oh, 
so you must just have a you wait, wait. she goes oh so you must just really have a thing for redheads which is <laughs> oh <my> so God. <laughs> unprompted wow <laughs> and i was like it's how like, do you respond to that like okay <laughs> like i guess anyway very uh truly a moment in my life i'm not going to forget <laughs> It was also like it was also like eight AM in the morning. Like <laughs> Wow. Like mess. Mess all around. Um so that's how I was in high school, if you were ever wondering. Um yeah. I actually really liked it when I watched it. Um <laughs> It's this is like my favorite version of this sort of movie in the early to mid two thousands. Um because this pieces of April Little Miss Sunshine. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, these yeah. sorts of movies that are, like... Yeah. Like, the word that comes to mind is almost precocious. Like, precocious mm-hmm. family dramas. Yeah. Um, very indie. Like, not a lot of... Uh, not a lot of... Um, what's the word? Oh, my God. I can't think of the word. Not a lot of funding and not, not like, yeah. a lot of tricks to it's make it even like look like... It's not, like, showy. Yeah, not showy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but from off of the top of my head, I think this is the, f- the only one that's, like, really... Like, it doesn't have any star names, right? Unless I'm completely out of the loop and some of these people um, are like... I don't think so. I know a few films that Alessandro Nivola has been in, but I don't know if people would have known him from around this time. And I mean, people, yeah. people know M. Beth Davids, like, I know her from Man- um, Matilda. Um, mm, okay. That's pretty much it. So. Oh my god, I completely forgot she plays Miss Honey. Wow, that was... Whoa. <laughs> I know, right? But I would say, like, I, I don't think that they would have cast her as like a as someone to draw people in. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not like a Tony Collette in Little Miss Sunshine, or mm-hmm. um, I mean, Pieces of not April is like a whole other but, mess. But yeah. Patricia Clarkson in Pieces of April, Holly Hunter in Thirteen. I mean, that's a completely different genre, but you know, mm-hmm. like, sort of. This is like the like the indie movement started in the nineties, right? Mm-hmm. At least the yeah. sort of the indie movement as we know it now. And then this is sort of the more, um, I guess, the more commercial versions of that. Mm-hmm. Where it's like the movies didn't make that much, but it's like Sony Pictures classics. Um, mm-hmm. Focus features. All these sort of uh, production companies that have built up a name. But yeah, so this is like my favorite version. Because I think there's enough cynicism from the movie to combat, I don't know, just some things that get very saccharine. Mm-hmm. Um and I think we'll get more into it when we get into, like, the thematic stuff. But I like this movie a lot. I think this is one of my favorite performances of hers. Yeah, me um, too. It's, it's a, sort of a strange... It's not a strange plot, but it, it, it has an odd tone, you know? Yeah, it does. It's like, I don't know how I would describe it. I mean, I guess it's it's a drama, but it's not... I mean, yeah. I guess it's, it's a, a drama. drama. It's yeah. sort of slice of life, not really, though. Mm-hmm. Um... So I really like actually this niche category of movies, which is like you have two people. Usually they're sisters. In these sorts of movies, usually the, the two characters are sisters. Mm-hmm. One of them is sort of like rural, like almost like a homemaker. Or if she's not, she's still very much like, um, what's the word? Oh my God, I can't think at all today. Traditional? Traditional, yes, yes. Like, And the other one is like from the city and very contemporary and usually a lot richer mm-hmm. um, and like very... I don't know, like, very savvy and cynical. Mm-hmm. And so, like, 
Margot the Wedding is like this, a movie I love. Yeah. Uh, Le Soir Fache is like this, another movie that I love. Blue Jasmine is like this, a movie that I do not like at all. <laughs> <laughs> Cake is like this, another movie that I, I like. It's not my favorite, but not 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 Jennifer Aniston Cake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, we'll bring that so, up another time. No, no, no. Not Jennifer Aniston Cake. It's a different cake. It's um, mm. It was on Netflix for a while. It's a Pakistani movie. Really good. Oh, okay. You can find it now. Uh, but it's like, I love these sorts of movies because I like, I like the tension. And it's like, I feel like these are the perfect types of movies that don't necessarily directly play into class tension. You know, mm-hmm. it's never, it's never explicitly stated that one person has more money than the other or that that's a point of contention between the two people. But you can always feel it yeah. in the atmosphere, right? And that's always like an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then most of these movies usually have some sort of, uh, their sisters are usually sort of the relationship between the two characters because it's the easiest to build up shared history with. And, you know, usually they have some sort of awful trauma that is alluded to at times. Yeah. But it's, like, sort of the easiest way to um, create that intimacy. But this movie takes a completely different approach where the main character whose name I'm forgetting for some reason... Um, the woman or the guy? And Beth, right? Oh, and Beth, she, yeah. She has no history with Ashley. No, oh they've God. never met before. <laughs> Yeah, Ma- Madeline and Ashley are their names. So yeah. like they've never met before, and it's like you have to create this sort of instant intimacy, and they have such good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, really love chemistry. their relationship in the film. Like, yeah, it's just so like and, um, it's so like earnest, and it kind of it feels real. That's one of the things I really like about this film is that I think they do a really good, great job of kind of making the characters seem real and seem layered without. Yeah, I mean, because you don't really get much information about any of them but like mm-hmm. they feel like real people and you feel like you know them pretty well like um i'd say like pretty soon like into the film yeah and i think um i was reading somewhere that madeline uh the character of madeline was actually cast very last minute because it was supposed to be someone else and they mm-hmm. dropped out um so it's wild that they have such good chemistry because they didn't like know each other for that long before they began shooting it's yeah. I don't know. It's also another trope. This movie has a lot of things that I just like in movies in general. Mm-hmm. And another trope I love is um like sort of instant friends, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um like cuz I feel like when you usually watch a movie there's some sort of friction at the beginning and then, then they become friends or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But I love um I love movies when people become friends instantly, whether it be by circumstance or just for some reason. So like not to bring up like my third Isabel Huppert movie of the episode we're only 12 <laughs> minutes in, but um, like the ceremony has this sort of uh vibe where like they become friends instantly. Like there's no real reason, mm-hmm. or it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense. I'm trying. I trying to think of other movies that I just can't get. Something like even like Clueless, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean that has a bit more charity driven layers to it, but it's like the same thing. It's like truly out of good intentions. Nothing weird or sinister about it. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's just, it feels very whole. Mm-hmm. And even though, also, world, we talk about spoilers for the movie, but yeah. it also came out in 2005. Like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you clicked on this episode expecting a spoiler free review, I'm not, I'm not sure what to tell you. <laughs> um, but even though the movie is sort of tragic, ultimately. Yeah. I think. It's... I mean, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say there's like a lot of tragedy the whole way through. But it's like quite subtle, and then the ending kind of brings it to a head. Because I I really like the um the relationship between 
Ashley and Johnny like it's not a good relationship and it makes me desperately sad but like I think it's yeah. it's like both of them are great in their characters so yeah it's a really I don't know it's just an interesting kind of dynamic um because you can tell there are moments where you can tell he really cares about her um like with the the meerkat like yeah uh show and I find that really like touching because he's obviously someone who doesn't really know how to like express his feelings and I think ultimately he's just like really um dissatisfied with his life and kind of jealous of his older brother so it often comes out in like anger or annoyance but like he clearly cares about her and it's just it's really tragic um but it's one of the things that I like about the film because it it feels quite quite real Mm -hmm. yeah this film really has the vibe of a Bruce Springsteen song (laughs) like I love Bruce Springsteen Mm mm-hmm a uh, very revealing moment for me. But um and honestly like I'm I'm really into one of my favorite albums of his is Nebraska. And Nebraska mm-hmm. is ultimately much more depressing than this movie is. Um yeah. Cuz each song in Nebraska is like this sort of little little tragedy. Um <laughs> but like I think it has a very similar um thematically I think they have very similar themes that was redundant. <laughs> but because I think there's actually a song in Nebraska that's about, like, uh, literally the exact same story. Where there's this guy, and he gets his girlfriend pregnant in high school, and he has all this, all these, like, big dreams to, I don't know, move out of his house and whatever, but he ends up just staying there because he has to, you know, pay for the kid and everything. And I think it's just, it's ultimately, like, sad, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because although Amy Adams is very optimistic, I think just the situation is, it's, I don't know, it's depressing. Yeah, um, she's almost like in kind of denial because it's clear that she like she knows because like you know she breaks down at the end and she says like all I want for him is to love me like he did in high school and it's like she knows but she kind of she's not willing to kind of accept what she already knows so she's kind of just in denial about it which is just mm-hmm. like it's so sad like oh my god like my heart just breaks for her like her character is just so like yeah it's just heartbreaking and i always wonder um because I, I just listened to the prize winner of ohio episode of this had oscar buzz and mm-hmm. they were talking about how about how like there's a scene in that movie where um julianne moore says essentially that like she knows that her life is not good you know that like she's really struggling to make ends meet and it's not like the perfect life mm-hmm. but like it doesn't help her to wallow in that you know yeah like, to just exist in that place doesn't do her any good. So she, you know, she just moves ahead. And I think that's similar to what Amy Adams is doing. But I think, yeah, she's so young. I think she's in her early 20s, I think, right? The character? hmm Yeah, I think so. And so she still has that naivete that really um, is just, it's both endearing, but also, like, almost pitiful, you yeah, know? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, she's... It's not, there's a certain level of immaturity to that character Yeah, that feels so, it seems to like ooze out of the screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's both a combination of the actual script and the way Amy Adams <laughs> is playing it, but it like holds the movie together, but like it also adds, like it's a very emotionally jarring almost. Mm-hmm. I also think, I also think like her character could very easily be incredibly annoying. Yeah. But because it, because of Amy's ability to make things like so um 
like earnest and just like natural you just feel protective of her character um yeah and i think um i think it's both the script and amy adams because it could be just yeah you could set it up so that's just like she's so annoying she won't stop talking Mm -hmm. you know um whatever whatever but i think i think both the main character madeline and the movie sort of accepts that Mm-hmm. with open arms and you can just it's not desperation but you can see how much these conversations mean to her right and how like yeah. how much she wants to please and come across a certain way mm-hmm. um and it's like i think also it's not played for laughs necessarily where it's like there are some funny moments but like overall it kind yeah. of feeds into the tragedy of the story <laughs> yeah not and it just it's just like the way that she is, you know. I feel like, mm-hmm. it, like, yeah. um, in Les Soeurs right? Like the the country sister. Um, there's a few moments that are like explicitly made for laughs. Obviously, this movie's in French, and the French have a completely different sort of perception of humor. But with um, Junebug, I feel like it feels like a very like natural movie and yeah. very like slice of life. So all the things that are played for laughs would be like. If you saw that happening to your family member, you'd laugh too. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like a comedy. It's just yeah. funny moments in an otherwise, you know, steady drama. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention that like art dealers just doesn't seem like a real job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, also, I feel like you would know more about this. <laughs> you think because you're <laughs> you're in art history? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, I also do want to just touch on the artist. Um, yes. Mr. Walk. I don't even know what to say. I. The thing is, it's depressing because people like him who are just, I mean, he's a bit batshit, really. And he's also yeah. just, like, not a good person. Like, he's a creep. But, like, mm-hmm. people like that really do get on in the art world because they're eccentric and they're, like oh, they're, like, controversial and controversial art sells, and it's kind of, like, really annoying because, like, I hate I hate that kind of side to the art world, and it's just, like, yeah. uh, And I hate that she's, like, oh, he's brilliant, like, I'm so interested in his work, and I'm, like, he's a complete, like, weirdo. I don't know. Anyway, it's just, it, that that's one thing that annoys me, but <laughs> I think you're Not supposed to the... kind of feel that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not just the art world, also the film world, to be honest. It, yeah, I mean, in any artistic career, like music, yeah. writing, um, film, yeah, it's, it's quite He's, Honestly, when I first watched this, I think that was the one part that I didn't really have a handle on. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I, I still don't really get it. <laughs> yeah, like, it's an odd, it's an odd thing. It's an odd kind of um, part of the film. And I think, but also, I do think that that's sort of the moment... Where you're like, Madeline just doesn't get anything, you know, about where she <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. Because, um... Yeah, she... Yeah, she sees it just in, like, a com- commercial terms. Like, she doesn't really see the, like, the weight of what he's saying or painting. She just, like, sees it as in, like, this is interesting, I could probably sell this. Yeah. And yeah. it's very, like, experiential, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, this is an experience that she's having. And throughout the movie, you're... You're not, like, it's not necessarily sympathetic to Madeline, but you're, like, you're Madeline. You are, mm-hmm. she's sort of almost a stand-in for the for the viewer or the mm-hmm. audience. Um, 
But I think the art scene is the first moment where it's very concrete that, or at least it suggests the idea that Madeline, she's not going to really think about what is going to happen to these people after she leaves, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it just adds an interesting layer to her character. And I don't think there's, like, obviously there's no antagonist in the story. It's just, there's a lot of layers. It's very complex. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a long movie either. So it's really interesting how many facets it's able to shoehorn into, not shoehorn, it's done very skillfully, but <laughs> able to compile into sort of one story. Yeah. And very minimal score. And here's the thing. Okay, we'll get yeah. into this because I think that I'm of a differing opinion than the rest of the general public. But I really, I understand the appeal to movies like Little Miss Sunshine and, oh my god, why can't I think of any other movies other than that? Um, You know, these sort of indie movies? Yeah. Um, I think that um Sunshine Cleaning has a similar tone. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, so like Little Miss Sunshine, The Florida Project is mm-hmm. another big one. Yeah. Um, trying to think of other movies that are like this. Juno on some level. Again, I don't think Juno's as, I don't know, precious as some of those other ones. But I just, my issues, I I don't really like Little Miss Sunshine or The Florida Project. Um, mm-hmm. I understand why people like that. I don't think that they're bad movies, you know? I think that they're good movies. But I, I have real issues with the way that, I don't know, it's not even issues. I just don't like how saccharine they are. Um yeah they're to me at least they feel very syrupy like very sweet it doesn't have that level of cynicism that i think is needed for a movie that's not necessarily catered towards children either mm-hmm. i don't know man it, the florida it's not worth getting into because i could talk <laughs> hours about it but junebug i think through that art scene and through little things that happen you know the the baby shower scene and you sort of yeah. get the sense that the movie isn't necessarily saying, are these people so happy together? Like, that's not the thing that's happening, right? It's more, mm-hmm. not necessarily cynical, but it's more realistic in the way the, the characters would act and feel. Yeah. And I like that it's not saying that, like, either side is better than the other. Like, it, I don't feel like it's trying to say that Madeline is better than, you know, no. than the family or that the family is better than Madeline. Like, they're just different. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just kind of exploring the differences between them and how they kind of coalesce in... I mean, because it's weird, because it's like... I mean, you'd think that the main character would be George, because he's kind of in the middle of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And yet he really features so little in the story. Um, yeah. But it doesn't feel, like, weird. Because it could. It could be like, well, this is, like, his family and his new wife. But, like it's not really about him so it's kind of yeah that's an interesting thing like because they could have easily made him like the main character um yeah, this, but, yeah actually this could have easily been sort of like in the line of the sisters movies that i all really like it's like mm-hmm. if like george comes in he's like you know super rich and whatever and he goes to meet his brother whose wife is having a baby and he's like yo let me help out and they're like no I'm, i've been keeping this house running yeah Mm-hmm. Not for you to sweep in at the last minute. You know, it's like yeah, basic tension, which I personally love. I I never get bored of it. <laughs> but um, I think this movie takes a much more interesting approach where it's like these two people are, uh, Madeline and Ashley, are sort of meeting each other and um, 
like they'll stay in touch, but you don't get the sense that they're going to become like best friends after, you know? No, yeah. And it's these two people that are, you know, essentially just passing each other by in life. Mm-hmm. And it's like a window into each of the other situations, but it's not, it doesn't really have a stance on it. Um, other than the fact that it's like, it, they're just so different, you know? Yeah. And I think, um, like, this isn't necessarily a movie about class, but I think it's definitely, like, there's some level of relief when Madeline and George leave, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting. Um, because, again, you don't... Madeline is not supposed to be... She's supposed to be a lar- mostly sympathetic character, but I think she feels very real. Mm-hmm. And even though it doesn't, it's not a good look, necessarily, for them to feel relieved after leaving that family during a tragedy... I think it's still, yeah, yeah. It's still much more. It's realistic. Yeah, I just let's talk about the performances. This is like, I mean, we touched about it briefly, but I think this cast is so good. Yeah, great, really, really great. It's like no one's the most showy person is Amy Adams, but I think obviously that works here because the character is so, you know, in your face. Yeah. Um. Sometimes I feel like when I watch an indie movie, I'm like. Everyone in this is trying for the Oscar, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they're doing the absolute most. But I think that this is definitely a movie that feels like everyone is just... I don't know. They're doing what's needed for the story. It feels very organic. Yeah, it does. It's very less is more. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to bring up... Sorry, this is, like, not... We were, This has nothing to do with performances. But I read an Isabel Huppert interview recently. Mm-hmm. And the interviewer was like, um, you play a lot of victims. Um, and she was like... Mm, not really. She's like, she says that she plays a lot of winning victims and not necessarily like, uh, I can't remember the word that she used. Not necessarily winners, mm-hmm. but just people who come out of, t- come out on top of their city sh- shitty situation, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, they just end up trying to make the best of what they have. And I feel like this movie is one of the best versions of that, yeah. you know, because we don't know if things get better for Ashley. And there's nothing to suggest that they do, honestly, right? Yeah. Because although, uh, oh my god, what's his name? Johnson? Is that his name? Did I just Her boyfriend? Up? Johnny. Yeah, Johnny, right? Although Johnny seems like a nice guy, he just doesn't have the... It just doesn't seem like he has the drive or the emotional capacity to really support her. Yeah, definitely. And she doesn't have her high school degree, so she, it's not like she can be that independent either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just... You, f- you feel that she just has a certain level of ambition and just a s- enough desire to try to make things better for herself. Yeah. And it's a difficult tone to strike in a movie because you have to make sure that the character doesn't end up sh- feeling delusional, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of this performance and I'm a big fan of this movie. I think it's just Me there's too. a lot of layers mm-hmm. to how the characters are and how they act. This movie is just also just filled with like little Amy Adams moments that are so endearing. I know, I love it. So cute. Like, like the when, meerkats. Sorry, you can go. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Like when she sat at the table with um Madeline, like it just feels like it. It doesn't feel like she's acting. You know what I mean? It just it feels like yeah. a real person talking. Um, like her movements and her um expressions. It's just it's so good. Like I can't believe this is one of her like early performances. Like because it's just it's so good like it's definitely one of my favorites of her performances yeah and it's just like this is us talking about this now after we know who amy adams is i can't imagine Mm -hmm. like like having no idea who amy adams is going to a movie theater and seeing this (laughs) 
I know. Like, like if, on some level, we expect this of Amy Adams, but just, like, yeah. if this was, like, a... If I had no concept, if, this, if she was just a random actress to me, I think I'd lose my mind. She's so... <laughs> I know. Uh, she's phenomenal here. Um, I was going to say... I mean, I'm, this is, like, a big moment that everyone talks about. But when it's the baby shower and he's um, trying to tape the meerkat video for her. Yeah. And he's, like, getting angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says something along the lines of... Uh, God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that yes. way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so... I don't know. It's just, like... I know. It's, it's steely. It has a steely resolve, but at the same time, just, like, this level of child dishness that's mm-hmm. there's that line has so many layers to it it's just because yeah. at that point she's like she's it's almost um maternally authoritative right the way she says it mm-hmm. but at the mm-hmm. same time it's she has this sort of the sense of resolve you know that she's not willing yeah. or she's not able to do anything about changing him but and it, that she knows that has to come internally from him mm-hmm. it's uh, i don't know the movie is very very rich um, and I don't know. I don't know how many people have actually rediscovered it, you know, mm. through whether it be Netflix or whatever, because it is her first Oscar yeah. nomination. So I'm not sure how popular it is. I I don't really know. I I don't see people talking about it that often. But I mean, yeah. like I mean, within film, like they do, but like general public, I don't see that many people talk about it. Like in terms of like um. really anything of amy's that people like yeah yeah um it's not a popular one that i hear coming up often but it's i mean it's so great but i think that's because on the outside if you kind of look at what this film is about you might think oh it's it seems kind of boring and like not much happens but and i mean not much does happen but also like a lot happens (laughs) that's not very eloquently put but like (laughs) It's so well acted and, and, I mean, it's just great. It's just a great film. (laughs) Yeah. I think, again, it's very much an indie movie. And it's, if you're looking for, like, a lot of people turn to movies for escapism, like I want to say about the general public, which is why, you know, the Marvel movies are so big is because they offer just a chance to escape. Yeah. So if you watch movies for that reason, obviously this probably won't be up your alley. Um, No. Yeah. It's, I think, way too grounded to have that element to it and i think that's why it doesn't do it as well as other sort of um family favorite indies so something like little miss sunshine um Mm -hmm. but i also think that if like people who like emotional dramas i feel like if you haven't seen this then it would be a blind spot because it's like one of the best dance like if you really like bomb back movies then i think Mm -hmm. that this would be up your alley it's less cynical than bomb back (laughs) and less bitey but i think it still has that not a tragic element, but sort of a very tense environment. Yeah, um, it's very tense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's just very layered and in a way that's really effective. Um, even more so when you're not watching it on an iPhone on a bus to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So let's get into the awards conversation because obviously, let's let's start with Amy Adams because you know, okay, she was the only one. This is the only nomination the movie gets. Yeah. So the nominees for Supporting Actress in 2006 were obviously Amy Adams for June Bug, Rachel Weisz for The Constant Gardener, Michelle Williams for Brokeback Mountain, Catherine Keener for Capote, and Frances McDormand for North Country. A pretty strong year. Yeah. I don't love all these movies, but just like by sheer, I think, performance-wise, and just like act, like these are all 
I mean, obviously Amy Adams wasn't established at that point. Um, and Michelle Williams was still sort of breaking into the scene. But still, like, mm-hmm. we all know all these women to be strong performers. Yeah. I will say, even though I absolutely love and adore Rachel Weiss, I mean, this isn't a surprise to anyone that knows me <laughs> online or in real life, um, <laughs> I actually think that Amy should have won this year wow. over Rachel because I just, I mean, I've seen The Constant Gardener and even though I like the film and I think Rachel does like an amazing job in that film, I just think that Amy's performance in Junebug is just like so outstanding that it really saddens me that she didn't win. Mm. Um, and I think Rachel's done stronger performances I don't think this is her strongest, so mm-hmm. yeah, I would have I would have given it to Amy. Sorry, Rachel. <laughs> and it's just it's also a breakout performance. I know it's, it's crazy. I, so I haven't seen like big shocker here. I haven't seen the master, and I haven't seen the fighter yet. We obviously will get to them on this podcast, so don't freak out about that. <laughs> but from the performances that I've seen that she's been nominated for, this is my favorite. Yeah. Um, I think to me at least this is her most. I think it's it's a very showy performance, but I think there's enough layers to it, and then she get she really gets the heart of the character very quickly in a way that's not annoying or in your face. It's just it's really just phenomenal. Um, and we actually didn't really talk about this, but this is sort of the beginning of her somewhat naive characters, right? So you have this Enchanted, yeah. um, <laughs> Doubt, mm-hmm. which is I think the sort of the big three that are these like very naive, somewhat optimistic, very trusting characters. Yeah. And I think I think she gets those characters because it's very difficult to play someone who's this naive without making them seem emotionally immature. Yeah, or it's, just like completely like stupid or something. I don't know, just like yeah. too much like it, it, she doesn't tip it over the line. It's it's never like too much and she never kind of I don't ever think she like dominates the film if, if you know yeah. what I mean mm-hmm. um it's just enough where you're like and, okay yeah this is believable as a person and she never seems delusional either you know yeah yeah like she can she can seem in denial mm-hmm. but it's never like she has no idea like yeah she's yeah. con yeah you can just get the feeling that she's conscious of the fact that she's thinking this way you know Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's very difficult to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I honestly can't think of another actress who I think is able to pull that off. Um, no. Because I think of, I also just a lot of the actresses I like have this sort of they're like omniscient, <laughs> like <laughs> they're the most knowing, the most in yeah. control. Yeah. But. Um, they're very difficult characters to pull off, and I think sometimes they get undermined because they are showy and they cry easily and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I think um, Amy Adams is able to just give, like, a layered performance to them. So, yes, this was their only, this movie's only acting nomination, which is, again, like, sort of a, a feat, you know, to have yeah one nomination for the entire movie and it be um, your supporting actress. I mean, not that this hasn't happened before, obviously, Holly Hunter with 13. Patricia Clarkson for Pieces of April, but for it to be Amy Adams, yeah. who at this point hadn't really done anything, is very, you know, yeah, and I very mean, telling like going how- through, Sorry, yeah, going through, like, all the nominations that the film received, it's 
like overwhelmingly all of the nominations are for Amy, um, which is interesting. I mean, she won like some smaller awards um, for the role, but none of the, you know, none of the main ones, which is sad. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that was just because um, she was so new. I know. Right. I know. It's a shame. Yeah. Let's actually just quickly go through the nominations that she received. So, obviously, the Academy Awards. She also got a SAG nomination um, at the Austin Film Critics Awards for Communities, Broadcast Films. Um, and, you know, a lot of critic circles. Uh, she wins the Indie Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then this movie also gets the Best First Screenplay, which I didn't know this was his first. That's so... Mm. Wow. You know? Yeah. Like, for a first screenplay, this is phenomenal. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, so she, uh, the movie gets nominated for first screenplay. Um, she's a winner at the Gotham Awards for a breakthrough actor. So, you know, basically all the film critics, um, film critics awards, they all nominated her. Mm-hmm. The Satellites also nominated her. She wins as a, uh, the special jury prize for, um, at Sundance. Mm-hmm. For her performance, obviously, she didn't really do anything else. <laughs> she did not write this movie. <laughs> so, obviously, she has... She was lauded for this performance. Justifiably so. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And honestly, maybe in a slightly different year, maybe she comes through. Maybe she does win. Like, Ya Jung-yoon for um, Minari. I mean, obviously, Ya Jung-yoon is, like, a huge Korean actress who has a long-established career. Mm-hmm. But I think for a hot minute, everyone's like, we don't think it's gonna happen. Like... Yeah. We think it's going to be gone close. And it ended up being her. Um, mm-hmm. In a different year, in a different set of circumstances, I could easily see Amy Adams winning for this. Yeah, me too. And it's, it feels weird, and it feels almost blasphemous to compare it to this. But in a very real sense, I feel like Hillbilly Elegy was some sort of attempt at trying yes. to recreate this. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was like, if you really boil it down to like kind of some of the basic themes... It's, like, a guy who's risen from his beginnings, like, mm-hmm. um, of working-class America, and now he's, like, rich and, you know, like, he's got money and stuff. I mean, without the abuse and alcoholism and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, I feel like uh, Hillbilly Elegy could have benefited it if it was more like this. Like, because Hillbilly Elegy, you just, you don't get a sense of the characters, whereas in Junebug, like, they're so well-written. Um, yeah, and acted that you you get a sense of them like so quickly. Um, yeah, it's a shame really because like Hillbilly Energy could have been could have been good, but alas. I mean, I don't think it could have been good just because I think the guy. Who I mean, it could have been awful. Better, yeah, it could have been better. Maybe not good. <laughs> it could have been better. Um, yeah, but yeah. I just think again, it's the thing with Hillbilly Energy though is the guy who wrote it is a big believer in like poor people are poor because they act that way because they did a certain number of things uh, that yeah, made them poor yeah whereas i don't think this movie necessarily casts any judgment no on no. that on those people in fact i think it's much more sympathetic to them than it is to madeline um mm-hmm. but not in a way that's uh demeaning either yeah because this film could have easily made fun of those kind of people who settle down with their high school sweetheart and stay in the same town they were born in um but it it doesn't make fun of them it just points out that maybe like that wasn't their um like their plan that wasn't that yeah that wasn't their plan but like it doesn't mean that they're you know 
any sort of way like you know stupid or like that they've made like I mean they've maybe they've made the wrong decision for them but like it's not kind of um it's not it's saying not that they're them. like yeah it's not criticizing them basically like mm-hmm. which I like because I feel like if if that's what people want to do then then fine like there's no like um wrong or right thing to do you know yeah it's very dependent on the audience to come away with their own conclusions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it tries to impart anything, really. Whereas yeah. I feel like something like the Florida Project really does feel like they're like, doesn't this suck for these children? The fact that they're poor? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I mean, yes, but what are you, like, what am I gaining from you saying that? Yeah. Like, staking <laughs> like, obvious. Not, yeah. Whatever. I cannot get into the Florida Project. We will be here for two hours. <laughs> okay. Um, but, yeah, I think, I wouldn't say it has a neutral stance on the two sides, but I don't think it's judging them or being like, doesn't their situation suck? I don't think it's exploitative. I don't think it's sensationalist. I think things are presented as they happen and as they would be perceived in that situation. And I think mm-hmm. I think that subtlety is just really keeps the movie going and, like, emotionally impactful without feeling very depressing to get through. Yeah. It's really effective at what it does. Mm-hmm. Let's quickly go through the other nominations for, or the other nominees for the sort of big eight categories. So you have um, the original screenplay. Uh, best original screenplay is Good Night and Good Luck, a movie I haven't seen, I will admit. Um, Match Point, The Squid and the Whale, and Siriana. And the winner is Crash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First of all, I want less for Woody Allen, so we can just kick Match Points out of that line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Secondly, Crash wins. So that's the mindset we're going to this Oscars race with. <laughs> like, I think this movie could have easily made it in. I mm-hmm. think this year, The Squid and the Whale was their sort of indie pick. And The Squid and the Whale is much more... First of all, it has both Laura Linney and Jeff Daniels, which are like, you know, big-ish actors around this time. Laura yeah. Linney, maybe less so, but definitely Jeff Daniels is big. And I think it has... Because of that, it doesn't have, like, star power necessarily, but it has more acclaim. Obviously, it's, uh, it was produced by Wes Anderson. Like, it's the most academy-friendly indie pick. And I love The Squid and the Whale. Uh, I do. <laughs> I know. I Our friend, Lily. You've never seen it? Well, that's no, interesting. Sorry. Lily hates it. I think, actually, a lot of my friends really oh, okay. don't like it. But I like it. Um, and you've seen Margaret the Wedding, though, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> it's like it's like a less mean Margot the Wedding. Oh, okay. But I like Margot the Wedding more. Anyway, we don't have to get into this now. <laughs> <laughs> and then Crash is awful. Why it won? Like Crash winning makes me think that like there's no way June Bug would have gotten into this lineup. But it's like mm-hmm. it's nice to dream. We won our best supporting actress. Um, best supporting actor. So George Clooney wins for Siriana. Matt Dillon for Crash. Paul Giamatti for Cinderella Man, Jake Gyllenhaal for Rockback Mountain, William Hurt for History of Violence. Congratulations, Jake Gyllenhaal, on your Oscar for Rockback Mountain. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but like, this is a pretty fine lineup. Crash, don't want it here, but it is what it is, you know? I think Jake Gyllenhaal should have won. I don't, like, I think the Junebug performances are good, but I'm not particularly passionate about any of them. Yeah, they work well together. Um, but I would say that Amy's is the only performance that really stands out to me. Yeah. 
But just for the sake of it, let's go through um, Best Actress. Reese Witherspoon wins for Walk the Line. Judy Dench for Mrs. Henderson Presents. Felicity Huffman for Transamerica. Keira Knightley for Pride and Prejudice. Charlize Theron for North Country. Again, like a fine lineup. Sort of mm-hmm. weak, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad like Keira Knightley has an Oscar nomination. <laughs> and I thought North Country was fine. But I think, you know, female directed movies are important. So it's good to have that. In general, I think that's... Again, I'm not particularly passionate about the main performance in Junebug. I think it's great. Um, and I think if she got nominated, I wouldn't be mad necessarily. Yeah. But it's not like a winning performance no. to me. Um, I'm not going to go through Best Actor because I don't really think that's like... <laughs> um, there's no like Best Actor in Junebug. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Best Director, Ang Lee for Brokeback Mountain wins, obviously. And it's Bennett Miller for Capote. Paul Hag is for Crash. George Clooney for Good Night and Good Luck, and Steven Spielberg for Munich. Um, and then Best Picture is Crash Wins, Brokeback Mountain, Capote, Good Night and Good Luck, and Munich are nominated. Mm. This is the Crash year, so everything <laughs> is null and void. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, sort of awful. Mm. This this movie comes at the tail ends of the indie scene, mm. because I think after this, then you get quote-unquote indie movies that are shot in, like, an indie way, but they're not... They're not the stripped-down style of filmmaking that this movie is, right? Yeah. No yeah. score whatsoever, just a few pieces of music throughout. Mm-hmm. Almost all new uh, performers, almost all. Um, or, like, if not if not amateurs, but, like, definitely people that are not movie stars. Because um, we saw with this one, The Whale. Like, I think, think at this point, more movie stars begin to do indie movies. Mm-hmm. So the indie movies that sort of break through have are movies with famous people. I don't know. I just really adore this movie. Uh, it's just... If you haven't checked it out, I definitely recommend it. Mm-hmm. It's a stellar Amy Adams performance. Yeah. Um, I sort of want to touch on this. I thought the whole her trying to lose weight while pregnant so distressing. I know. Yeah, that I really hated that. <laughs> like, I found it, in, like, awful. Yeah, it's really... <laughs> like, it's horrible. It's like it's the most uncomfortable. Whenever she's talking about it, I like it makes me want to peel off my skin. I don't know. I just I know. I know. So let's go through the trivia. So apparently, when there was obviously some scenes, Amy Adams is wearing a fake, like a prosthetic stomach, mm-hmm. but they also sometimes just had a real pregnant woman oh. in some scenes where you can't see her face. Okay. So when she's doing the sit-ups, it was actually a split screen. Um, okay. With Amy Adams' head and the real pregnant woman. I mean, it was done well. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I didn't notice either. Because I was thinking, like, how did they make the bump look so real? But, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then the the monologue about cheerleading and meerkats was Amy Adams' audition. Yeah. I've seen the... I think I've seen the audition. I think it's online. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the movie was filmed in 21 days. Wow. That's nothing. That's nothing at all. It's wild. Anyway, that's all the trivia. <laughs> Not a super trivia-heavy movie, but I think it makes up for the fact that it's absolutely phenomenal. It's just, I don't know, truly like a gem. I, I was glad it was on Netflix for a while, because I don't think it would have sought it out unless it was on Netflix. Yeah. And I'm sure, um, I mean, I would have watched it eventually, but watching it that early, I think, really cemented how I felt about Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. That she's great. She's fantastic. Um, let's get into our ratings. So every week, we rank our movies on a scale of one Oscars to five Oscars. One being like, let's never talk about this movie again. And five being like, this movie deserved to win everything. 
and get nominated for everything. So, Millie, would you like to start? Yeah, so I I want to go with four, just because I think it could have squeezed in a couple of more um, nominations, um, maybe in screenplay. Um, and I think that Amy should have won. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going with four. Yeah, I think I'm going with four, too. I know it seems like a little high, since we said that we wouldn't have necessarily nominated all the other acting performances, but I <laughs> yeah. think that... I think that in a weaker year, and, like, 2006 was fairly, like, I think this could have easily replaced every single nomination Crash got, you mm-hmm. know? Oh, definitely, yeah. Which sure. is, like, also a low bar, like, I will admit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that the movie is done really well, and it sort of, it sort of turns a lot of tropes onto their head. Um, it has a lot of elements that I think the Oscars would like, you know? A bit of a class struggle, you know, sort of tragic, but ultimately heartwarming. I think it could have done really well at the Oscars if it was just pushed a little more and maybe just had a little bit more of a following. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, I think Amy Adams could have easily won for this performance. And it, yeah. it's like, the performance is so good. It's phenomenal. It's mm-hmm. There's not much to say beyond that. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give it a 4-2. Uh, any final thoughts? Only that if you haven't watched it what are you doing just go watch it now (laughs) yeah it's streaming for free on pluto tv so you don't even have to pay for it (laughs) yeah well i think that's our episode for today you can follow us at twitter at where's her oscar you can follow me on letterboxd at i-m-v-e-e i'm v and tune in next time for another episode as always thank you for listening if you like the podcast please rate review subscribe um apple podcasts stitcher spotify wherever you get your podcasts tell your friends tell your family uh we like you we thank you all for your support thanks for listening bye bye